Hello and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. My name is Corey O'Flanagan and thank you so much for being here. As always, this podcast is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. We really appreciate you listening and we super appreciate it when people go out and leave us nice reviews because it makes us feel all good and warm inside. So think about doing that for us. Today on the show, I start with a question. What would you do if you're a producer and you run out of tracks to sample? Well, if you're the guys behind Analog Player Society, Ben Rubin and Eamon Drum, you gather a group of New York City's best musicians, put them in a room, and hit record. It is with this kind of mentality that the record soundtrack for a non-existent film came to be. Released in October of 2020 and based off of four tracks recorded in April 2019 in Eamon's The Bridge Studio, This eclectic mix of tunes is a must-listen for any jazz or hip-hop fan. Today on the show, I talked to Ben and Eamon about the journey of making these tracks, as well as their latest release, Home in America, featuring some powerful lyrical accompaniment from Masta Ace. So please sit back and enjoy Analog Player Society. I'm here with Ben and is it Amon or Eamon? Uh I'll take them both, but you can call me Eamon. I call him Eamon. Eamon. Yeah. That's fair. We'll just call him what you call him. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and these guys are with the Analog Players Society. And just to start out, guys, why don't you introduce yourselves and just tell us how we're doing today? Uh, my name is Ben Rubin. I am a producer, mixer, bass player, engineer, and I'm doing well today. I'm back in a studio, a beautiful studio built by my friend Eamon here. It looks beautiful. That makes it a good day. Thank you. And we're here to talk about our new song, Home in America, which I'm very excited about as well. So thank you for this opportunity, Corey. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm Eamon. Um, We're coming to you live and direct from the Bridge Studio in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I'm... um, Okay, I guess I'm a studio owner. Um, uh, I design and, and build studios, but uh, I started off as a percussionist. So um, a producer, uh, tracking engineer as of late for, <laughs> my, for, for almost everything. Uh, and then when I, when I get to have some fun, I'm a mixing engineer as well. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, just general Brooklynite. Yes. <laughs> Love it. So yeah. let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the Analog Player Society because when I first heard you all, which was just not that long ago, a couple of weeks ago, which is sure. I love I love being introduced to this kind of new music. First thing that pops into my head is the Bad Plus. Oh, great! So then all of a sudden I start doing my research, and we've got people from the Bad Plus. We got a keyboard player, piano player that that sprinkles in with you guys every now and again. Um, so I just wasn't surprised at all to see that that crossover came. It was really random to me because I was just like, this is really eclectic type music, but this is, I've heard this before in a different way. So 
I, I just love that that kind of came to be. How did you guys end up crossing over with them? Well, I mean, uh, that one, that one was Ben. Um, and actually like, uh, APS has, has been around, I think since, uh, geez, I don't know, like 20, 20, 2009, maybe, uh, maybe 2010, but you know, in between the albums, because, um, me personally, I've got these other things like being a studio owner. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't get a chance to work on it very much, but, um, when we decided to like revive and reboot APS, I came to my homie Ben and he was like, let's, let's make our own sample material. And, um, I had, I, I fell in love with bad plus, uh, when I first heard him before I knew anybody and, you know, uh, Ben was just throwing out names of people he's worked with or who's in the scene. And, uh, Oren came up and I think the response was fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. The idea was, yeah, let's make, let's make a, a, a hip hop kind of record, but let's make our own sample material. Yeah. And we gladly lifted that idea from De La Soul, mm -hmm. who made a whole record that way, the most recent record. And um, you know, I was like, let's see what we can get in the studio and get some stuff on tape and go from there. So picked up the phone and was able to make four phone calls and get four of the heaviest musicians in New York City to come over to the bridge here. <laughs> And, and you guys drop quite the, you guys do some name dropping on who's been on, on these records. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, well, so that's the whole, the, the whole concept behind the band. And um, I mean, I guess I, I guess personally I started it, but I, I don't, I don't really, I try not to think of it as, as mine. It's more like the collective of musicians that very honestly, I just see in studio sessions. I'm like, Hey, you're a cool person and holy shit, can you play? So you keep a relationship going and you get to cherry pick all these great musicians. Um, yeah. and they always want to just come back to the studio and, you know, drop a, drop a, a couple passes on something you're doing. So it's really about just the collective of musicians. It's really session players. Like to me, it's like session players worldwide. Um, they can come together and have fun while making music. That's the concept. I like that. So I want to go into some of the music like a little bit more deeply, but this isn't even on my outline, but I'm seeing this beautiful studio and it kind of keeps coming up that you designed it and everything like that. So des studio design is what's popping into my head. And I'm just wondering, like people talk about studios in a way of you go and record there and it's just got this vibe it's got the, it gets the sound that we knew we wanted for that kind of album. Is that something that you can premeditate or do you think that that just kind of happens over time? I, that, I'll let Ben take some of that, but that's a great well, way of, of putting is the, that. Is actually. the question, was the studio designed for a certain vibe or? You know what, just to just jump on I your mean, first, I think it's like both, but go ahead. I mean, the, the point of coming to a studio like this is to create an atmosphere where something unexpected would happen. You know, mm -hmm. I like to use the Quincy Jones quote, which is like, you got to leave space for God to walk through the room. Damn I sure. mean, I'm not a religious person, but I think it's a perfect metaphor yeah. for 
um, just creating an opportunity for something to happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so on this record, we wanted to, on these series of records, actually, we wanted to do something different. So I hired, we hired a band that everyone knew each other. They've all played together in different configurations, but mm -hmm. those four musicians, and let's be clear who they are. We have Donnie McCaslin, who mm -hmm. is one of the best tenor saxophone players on earth. And David Bowie lifted his band for Black Star. So he and his <laughs> band are the band on Black Star, you yeah. know, uh, Mark Juliana and Tim Lefebvre and uh, Great band. Uh, Ben Maunder and Jason Linder. Um, anyway, so I know Donnie, I've known Donnie forever, I gave him calls, said, would you wanna do this? And he was like, yeah, you know, he doesn't live that far from here. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I chose some other musicians that I've had the opportunity to work with a lot, like Oren Evans, who is new to the Bad Plus, but has been an incredible pianist. Such you know, a badass. For as long yeah. as I can remember. Such a badass. Um, yeah. And then Desron Douglas on bass, who's just one of the best bass players on the planet and someone who I've worked with on yeah. many records at this point, including a solo track I just mixed for him, which is mm. really, really cool. Um, and then Eric McPherson, who is, you put him in Eamon's drum booth and the record's done. <laughs> <laughs> just for the record, I just, I just, I love Emac. God damn it. Oh my God, man. That <laughs> I love it. Let him know. Yeah. Uh, well, so, but to, to tie back in to answer your question, like, as far as what, what vibe is, is like, you know, we have a rule in here. Uh, as far as the staff is, I always say good vibes only. And I got that from another engineer, but like studio design and a studio concept in general as being an owner and as engineer, whatever, is to remove barriers. And that's what I try to do. Mm -hmm. Remove the barriers of noise and, and the outside world. Um, and also just to make it feel good in here so that you don't have the barrier of why the fuck am I in this like dark, like, box sweating my ass off recording should be special it should yeah. feel special when you walk in yeah you know yeah like no one took none of them took me up on it but i was willing you know i would have sent them cars to bring them here whatever it takes yeah. to make it feel like it's a special occasion yeah. and that's why what Eamon just said is why i love working at the bridge because that's that's the engineer side of it and from the producer side like i want them to walk in and be able to just let the floodgates open yeah, let yeah, their yeah let the spirit out. Yeah. They shouldn't be thinking about anything except playing their instrument. It's a sacred space where anything can happen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, having that kind of thing that just kind of like ignites the creativity and keeps that flow alive, I think would be at the forefront of my brain if I was making a space like that. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about what you all released last year. Um, sure. There's Tilted. Yeah. And then there's Soundtrack for a non-existent film. And I, I think it's in that order, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, and let's start with Tilted, because when I listen to this, I think of this. Now I'm like going back into what we were talking about with the studio of just letting this creativity happen. Do we is this just like hit record and just let these guys go? Yes. And yeah. see what happens. Tilted is basically the source material or, yeah. or, you know, what we thought of was like the releasable source material, like the best well, songs. There was there was four takes, I think. Full four, full, four full, full passes of things that we've done. <laughs> it's not easy to say. Yeah. It's even harder to do. <laughs> I know. And three of them re we released. 
uh, I I was about to release another one, and Ben was like, "Nah, it's not." So there's there's an unreleased. There is some unreleased mm. shit from that, but it's okay. So so <laughs> so in my original concept, I would have released Tilted after soundtrack, but that's just not how it went down. Yeah. Um, but because I kind of wanted people to hear the hip hop tracks first, and then discover the source material that it came from, and listen to listen to the band play, and be like, oh. So what the, the way we structured the session was they came in, I picked the two standards that are on the record, Epistrophe by Thelonious Monk and One Note Samba by the great Antonio Carlos Jobim. I picked those songs specifically because I felt like harmonically or structurally I could maybe chop them up and move them around and it would still work somehow. That was my idea. Interesting. Um, yeah. Plus there are four tunes that I just knew I could ask them to play and there wouldn't be any barrier. They, I wouldn't, they wouldn't have their heads in charts trying to read something. It was just tunes I knew they knew. That's just having the knowledge of the song and the music to just be able to just, we know the baseline of this. We know the, the structure of it so we can just go exactly. and let it go wherever it's yeah. going to go. Part of removing all barriers here is like, we have three hours with these guys, literally. This was a, we, we got all this music out of a three hour session. Oh my so God. it's like, let's remove all the barriers. So having a song they knew, huge mm -hmm. barrier gone. Having them all played together, Huge barrier gone. Have everything set up before they arrive. Having everyone set up before they arrive so they could walk in and play their horn. Preparation. Who knew? I mean, recording time was really two hours, I'd say. I mean, I was. Although we, I was although the, the, the motto of the bridge is always rolling. So anything yeah. that went down while the mics were on was fair game for us to sample. And some of yeah. that stuff did get sampled. But um, so wow. we asked them to play those two songs. That was all I said to the band, except I said to Eric, can you play, keep your drumming on the boom bap side? That was the only other instruction I gave them. And for, can I just interrupt for a second? Cause I just love making up the sounds that you hear in your head and make like, just figuring out a way to get those out, whether it's a guitar lick or whatever it might be on the drums. I think drums is always the best example. Cause it can just be like, give me a boom cap chap. And just like, the drummer's like oh yeah yeah i got that and yeah. i just love that that like translation of musical terminology i guess yeah right. well i know eric's around our age and you know coming up in the early 90s you know we yeah. all love the boom bap so <laughs> you know that was literally all the instruction i gave them and then they did all the rest you yeah. know without any discussion okay yeah so then let's let's talk a little bit how that tilted yeah relates to the one that came out a couple months later which obviously then you guys went to work on chopping it up and putting it back together and now we've got soundtrack for a non-existent film and i'm just this is what's so interesting to me the creativity behind like we've got this batch of music sitting here let's turn this into this now it's it's incredible transformation i'd love for you guys to touch on that a little bit yeah i mean basically we we recorded all this stuff and then um, uh, we, 
we both had the session files, the Pro Tools session files, like the whole thing. And so we both took it back to our respective studios. He took it back to his studio and, and um, you just stayed here. And I just stayed here. <laughs> and honestly, I just stayed here and it worked on, um, you know. Oh, well, let's say like a year and a half went by. I, and yeah, the... well, a year. Just <laughs> year. call it a okay. year. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I you know, it, you know, we, this location has been open for, for just now three years. So like, you know, I, I had to take everything that I could. So I, I wasn't able to get to work on it until the pandemic. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, because during, when the pandemic hit, like right up to the, to the wire, um, before they shut down this, the city, like shut, shut down. Um, um, I was in here just doing, uh, stuff for, for, you know, bands. So, you know, we had, um, um, CBS came through and did a whole bunch of like, you know, bands, right. As the wire, Hey, we're going to be shut down. We need to stockpile a whole bunch of stuff. So like, there's no way I can work on anything, but after they shut down, there was nothing like literally nothing going yep. on. No one was going out. It was a ghost town. It was really eerie. And, uh, I always have this thing where, you know, been through a few hurricanes, natural disasters, craziness. Um, I always want to have like an instrument or something around so that if like it's the end of the world or something like that, that I can like make something you can, you or score it. I can score it <laughs> or keep my kid happy or or you know, record something for posterity so that when the world has been like destroyed and the aliens come like thousand years later, they're like, look at this record. Um, that's how i got a cd player yeah exactly what is this fucking piece of plastic this guy Um, had a really upbeat attitude as the world was being destroyed that's amazing yeah so that's how i that's how i got into the whole recording industry i figured like there has to be some kind of record of all this music for when we're destroyed and i like vinyl because i figure out if they like 3d map it or something they they might have this Mm. one also in the voyager spacecraft it's a gold wreck yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah, I mean that's how I think. I mean, we had, we had a lot of time to analyze all of this during quarantine. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so really, the, yeah. the fact is that it's the quarantine that got this record made. Yeah, I mean, we tracked this in April 2019, and then we both went back to really? our studios. But yeah, wow. we did. Wow. We also we also hung out a bunch of times and listened together, and we're like picking yeah. spots that we liked, and we sent each other our yeah. Pro Tools markers, and yeah, yeah. You know, but basically, like anything was fair game. Yeah, we used uh, uh, for when we got into soundtrack. Um, it, it's funny. It's like you and I kind of pick different sections, uh, like organically, mm-hmm. like on our own, which was great. Um, and um, I sort of gravitated to a whole bunch of the middle stuff, the little stuff that was going on in between the takes, yeah. mostly because Emac, because like he just keeps warm by doing this like crazy footwork and like mm-hmm. crazy <laughs> shit. And I'm like, that's gold. And I was on a, like a apocalyptic tip. Yeah, and, really were. and, um, because you know, I had a, I personally had a COVID scare right at the beginning and it was just like a fucking allergy sinus infection. I'm like great timing. Right. And that's oh, before wow. I do anything, but, yeah. uh, we had the windows open and I was quarantined for two days. Um, and, um, I had the, the windows open and we're next to the street. And all I heard for like two days straight was just sirens, 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 yeah. sirens, right? Doppler effect sirens going on. I was like, this is fucked up. 
So like that soundscape was, I was like, oh, I want that. I want to, you know, I want to, and I'm still on this tip, kind of, but um, I just wanted to find a way to get that feeling into everything. Um, And also, man, I'm a big fan of like DJ Shadow uh, and LP and um, fucking, uh, you know, even the Bomb Squad with their like, you know, collage you know, we mentioned De La Soul. I mean, we all are, but like, especially like Shadow and LP, that sort of dark dystopian, like, uh, synthy mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. So yeah. let's 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 go a little bit deeper into the focusing on the tune Chase. I literally just watched this video before we hopped on. Last thing I did before I hit go. And unbelievable. I love it. Wow, thanks. Um, Just such a, to put that music behind this and the way that the slow motion kind of captures people's emotions. I don't know who you guys got to do those chase scenes, but that was amazing. Oh. Oh, that is the trying to plug Jude. Uh, well, that Jude is was the director uh, behind that. Um, Jude, Jude Gergen. Jude Gergen. Um, he's out of New York City slash Chicago. Um, yeah. Good friend, ex bandmate, genius. But um, we had a great, you know, uh, chunk of of actors uh, that helped us out, um, and some of them put in in a lot like uh i gotta shout out my boy ramin um he uh he was the first actor to just be like yeah i'm in i'm, I'm in for anything yeah uh, he was the one that was wearing a suit for the most of the part um okay. and um, that that guy like put it in like i feel like i i caused a foot injury um <laughs> i at one point had to give him my adidas um because like he really? came fully dressed. I mean, that's a little side note, but just, just, I mean, we got you, man. I'm, I'm going to send you like some Adidas for life, man, for life. <laughs> um, yeah. And so we just got great actors to, to help out. Jude has basically been the ch- chief architect of the whole visuals for yeah. APS. He did, all, he's done all three covers. Yep. He did all the promo photos that have yeah. been in magazines and stuff. He's just. Stay tuned for more Song Facts podcast right after this. Ever wonder how my voice is bouncing off your eardrums so clean and crispy? No? Well, let me tell you anyway. The Lyra Microphone by AKG brings their legendary acoustic engineering to a versatile USB mic that delivers the highest quality audio in its class. USB connection. This is good for me because of the simplicity and the ability to just plug and play without an interface. You may have gathered from various episodes that I am doing this show on the road, so being that I record most interviews in a different location than the last, it is good for me to know that I have a high-quality, easy-to-transport-and-use USB mic like the Lyra to make sure my sound is clean. Whether you're like me and recording a podcast, a musician recording vocals or an instrument, or if you need to do a voiceover for a YouTube channel... 
Lyra's innovative AKG Adaptive Capsule Array adapts to your performance to record pristine audio. It has four versatile capture modes. What's a capture mode, you ask? That is how the mic picks up your voice. Just trust me, with these four options, it's really all you're going to need. With AKG Lyra, you'll be up and running in no time, no matter your experience level. There's no assembly, no need for separate audio interface, no fiddling with software settings. It just works right out of the box. And Lyra is something that is compatible with Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android devices, and all major recording softwares. So, if you're looking for a mic that offers ease of use along with a high quality sound, check out the AKG Lyra and look no further. So let's let's circle back on the actual music behind Chase. Um, this I I don't know. It's just got this powerful horn section, and I just how did this come to be? Was this just was this plucked out of what you guys did with? Um, yeah. tilted and just kind of sewed back together yeah absolutely it's 100 percent. i mean and you know uh donnie you know you know ben you know what ben said like you know he, he grabbed one of the greatest you know sax players in the city uh who's got like a just a really particular voice and i was able to cat like just find this one little snippet that um kind of i don't know it, it felt when i was Thinking about it, I, I was thinking about a, uh, an actual car chase, like uh, you know, like some just crazy like well, the Starsky line, and the line kind of builds yeah. dramatically and goes back down. It's got like yeah, it's got this tension to it that doesn't really go away. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know, I, I was just lucky to have the genius of all the musicians, and that was I, I feel like the these things were just sitting there, and you just grab it and you throw it together. And the only thing that I added was like the synth bass line. Um, okay. which is really stupid, simple. It's like, <laughs> but that's what I want. I'm that, you know, I'm not a bass player. Ben's a bass player, but, uh, I just wanted something that was like grinding and, and ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, as it opens up, you know, it opens up, um, you can actually hear that, that section out of chase, uh, in tilted. What is that? The end of, uh, freedom is right. I think. Yeah. So, um, and then you you know it just exposes the band, um, so yeah, it just it just kind of happened. So when you guys are going back through this, and thank you for letting my hamster wheel just run here, but I'm trying <laughs> like you've got this you've got these huge batches of of these musicians playing. Yeah. Do you guys go back and listen to it in a multitude of different ways? Like I'm going to listen to just the piano and drums this time, or I'm going to literally just listen to the drums this time and see what I can pluck out of that. Or do you just kind of keep going through it as a whole? What's your, wow. Um, I'm thinking you're breaking the hamster and Ben's I don't brain. Know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably did some of that, but I mostly was trying, I think I was mostly listening to the full thing. And then I would be like, I just want the bass from that. Or I just want, uh, a yeah. piano or something or like no. this is just a loop the band played the loop and i'm just looping the band yeah you know? okay and each each song was different and part this is lame for interviews i admit but part of my process is not remembering what i did that's great <laughs> so i don't do it again <laughs> no that's great <laughs> that's, so self-imposed amnesia i mean kind of well yeah. 
you know, I, I, I want to make sure I don't ever fall into a rut or just repeat myself. There, there are ways. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> I mean, I'm literally doing everything I can, man. <laughs> to, to lose your short-term memory? <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> no, you didn't. I don't remember. I forget it. Yeah. What was the question? I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, you guys were nice enough to send me a copy of um, Home in America featuring yeah. Master Ace. Late, man, I want to go home. Ain't no time for debate, man. I want to go home. My mind's in the state, man. I want to go home. I'm feeling closed in and I want to go roam. Through the cotton fields, yeah. and tobacco plants. Yeah. Got a fire burning in me like a jack-o'-lantern. Turn and look over your shoulders, honey. My group was looking at you like you owe the money. Reparations, conversations. Damn, 40 acres takes... Obviously a lot of powerful lyrics in this one. And from what you've told me, the tune Starry Night was a precursor for this. So let's talk about how this change happened okay well my half of soundtrack um i had a simple goal which was really make some good feeling you know childhood remembering boom bap beats that was really my only goal i had i just kept it simple on this okay. so <laughs> uh so you know like really my side you didn't just, go off into a dystopian land where the aliens are gonna <laughs> <laughs> no, and in fact you know, and in fact, my titles are all kind of like around mostly they're nice. space. They're mostly like space related. I love that. Starry night, celestial I message. I mean, talking about uh, <laughs> back to the Voyager. Uh, That's right. We love, I love that. Um, yeah. So, you know, my, I, I look at mine as more like a beat reel okay. you know, than, than anything else. And my goal from the beginning was always to add a, a vocal, you know, and lyrical component to this and um that's where master ace comes in mm. um and once we put soundtrack out i guess i found the bandwidth to start <laughs> working on that yeah <laughs> and uh you know my goal was to find an mc who was around our age you know like late 40s or even older someone who's been around has a ton of cred and knows how to tell the larger story through the small. And, mm. you know, I was also looking to find, my goal is kind of like get, get them, I don't want to say out of their comfort zone, but get them to do something in a way that are not, like use a different process. Kind of okay. like, you know, kind of like this whole thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, did he have free reign on the lyrical interpretation of the music he was hearing? Or did you kind of give him some guidance on that as well? I mean, you know, just like I did with the band, I gave him a little guidance. I was basically said, you know, I'm looking for something that um, provokes people to think, yet has a clear message, is clearly anti-racist, mm -hmm. and something that I can play for my kids. You know, those were basically, you know, <laughs> something that, you know, is... Uh, clean enough that it can be played anywhere for any audience, even like more than your larger hip hop head audience. Got it. Still, we'll get the hip hop heads moving. <laughs> and um, 
honestly, Master Ace was the first cat I called and he was into it. And he really, I mean, that, that, his vocal on the record is his demo. He didn't even redo it. Really? Uh, I love yeah. his verse. I, I, I mean, <laughs> <Wow>. uh, <clears throat> although I will say that we did agree to add a third, like half verse at the end. But, you know, like he sent me the first two verses uh, at first. And then I was like, I think we need to wrap this up with something. And that's when he wrote the third verse. So, you know, he was open to my production. We, we talked a little bit about it, but I didn't, I didn't say a whole lot. Oh, that's so incredible oh, that, great. I mean, I just always love it when someone just nails it on the first try and you get a couple of firsts here. You're like, here's my first phone call and the, what you're hearing is his first take on it. Some stuff's just meant to be. It's, this track's well, kind of feeling that way. The, all this, the sample material was, they were all just, you know, there wasn't, oh, stop, I missed something. Right. Yeah, you know, was, like, so they were all just kind of natural. Yeah, you know, yeah. just try to stay out of the way. That's yeah. really what it's about, staying out of the way. Breaking down the barriers. Breaking down the barriers. <laughs> Letting the floodgates open. It's like a reggae tune. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I love the wide range of sounds that you guys have. And if you go back and listen to some of the earlier, like that, the what was it, the album that dropped in 2013? Um, it, there's even, you know, more. And I'm just, it, you know, it gets me kind of wondering about your guys' influences. I think you've touched on a lot of them. And obviously you're very, I think a lot of influences from what I hear come from East Coast, early 90s type hip hop. Sure. And and then there's obviously jazz as well, but is there anything else that we're kind of missing? I mean, for me personally, like uh, if you go APS, if you go, um, there is a CKY to JFK, um, yep. which is uh, CKY is the airport code for Conakry, Guinea. And um, I studied in, in Guinea, West Africa, studying Monday music, Jimbe and Dundu and stuff like that. So I like came up with a lot of, those master musicians that happen to be in the states and then study with them so like i that album i wanted to do was specifically combining sort of like the uh, it's a hard hard it's like you know i also came up in in sort of like house deep house like global global house at, as percussionist to a company so i tried to combine those two things you know while i was on the east coast and um you know there's that uh, but other than that just like you said like it's, it's, you know we came up we were talking about this on the way over like how we got introduced to hip-hop and mm -hmm. we i guess we're the first we're makes me sound i'm 27 i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, uh, um allegedly um i i got introduced to, to hip-hop in the first wave you yeah know? like we're talking oh. early well, early 80s, second wave, maybe? Is it the second wave? I mean, First 70s, wave, you got, you know, Run DMC. Run DMC was still cool playing shows. So Burke. I figured, got it. I feel like that's still first wave. That's perfect context. I don't know. I like, mean, Busy B is still rocking. My introduction like, to hip hop was yeah. like literally on Z100, the hit radio station in the very early 80s was playing like, you know, UTFO and Grandmaster Flash and... Yeah uh Roxanne Shante and all that wow. stuff that's, that was like that's how far back it goes to me but um and I'm not sure what other influences I can say I brought specifically to APS but uh -huh. like my background is extremely varied I, I'm you're jazz -headed. I'm very much a generalist but I've, I've definitely done a ton of jazz and I mm -hmm. play 
played a ton of jazz and I've produced a ton of jazz records, but I've also, you know, worked on punk records and country records and, you know, everything in between. So like, mm -hmm. I love all kinds of music and my goal as a producer is, is really just like to help whoever I'm working with reach their best potential. Yeah. And I, you guys I, think that jazz and hip hop are a natural fit? I think it's the same. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, okay, it's not the same, but there's, it, it there are more, uh, how am I going to say this? I think they're more alike than they are different. Okay. In my mind, I don't know. I mean, there's no doubt that jazz has definitely in, influenced hip hop greatly over the years i mean part of actually part of why i also wanted to make this record was i'm haven't been very happy with a lot of the iterations of it like people have been trying all different kinds of stuff and some things work better for me than others but um i really feel like the way that we're doing it is, is just like a really really organic way of combining players playing improvising and then turning that into a hip-hop record the way hip-hop records are generally made and then you know bringing in an mc over that um i just i just hadn't seen it done that way particularly and um yeah i mean i think the connections between jazz and hip-hop are pretty clear organic yeah. yeah i'm wondering if you guys did this idea spring from anywhere of creating your own sample tracks or did you, was, do you, is this, I haven't heard of this before. That's why it's such a fascinating experiment and an idea to me. I've been kind of doing it unofficially for a while, but not so, uh, you know, like I'll, I'll take, I'll do a session and sometimes when I'm starting some stuff out, I'll just get the rice and beans. So like I'll get, a drummer and a bassist together yeah and and go through ideas and then i will come back and like chop up like a a line you know maybe it's just the drums maybe it's just the bass and then kind of use that as a starting point and through editing um so is that sampling is it yes i guess it is <laughs> <laughs> you know? i mean um what i'm not doing is um there's also been like the reason why I started APS a little bit was obviously I was, I'm a recording engineer. So like um, as much as I love sample based um, music, I mean, geez, like avalanches, right? I mean, they just had, they're doing their uh, uh, reissue final. Uh, they collage like what, like, you know, a thousand samples used in, in one album. Right. So I like that type of compositions, but like, I'm a little, I, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, I was a little feeling a little like, um, angry is not the word, but me you know, like, I'm like miffed. I'm just like, y'all need to start like making some new sample material. Okay. Like, everybody's taking like Clyde Stubblefield and, you know, and, and, uh, and impeach the president and like all these black, like black Caesar. Yeah. Yeah. It's all these like classic samples. I'm like, great, let's make some new sample material. And that's yeah. what, how that I was like analog players. Like these are these musicians that are, are actually making this shit. Um, 
and I was sort of anti drum pack, <laughs> even though I do have a drum pack that is out, uh, <laughs> out splice, but, um, but don't use it. <laughs> don't don't use it. But, but buy it. Um, please buy it, please. <laughs> please buy it. Uh, so like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling, but like, like I'm, I'm, I'm pro sample, but I'm, I'm, I'm also pro make some new shit. I, yeah. I have like two sort of contradictory answers to that. Perfect. Good. Number one is, well, we wanted to make a hip hop record. We wanted to be able to sample and basically just building on what Eamon just said. Um, we wanted some new material. And also I've, I've been thinking a lot lately about how copyright law really just killed a beautiful yeah. young art form, like almost in the cradle, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm thinking about Fear of a Black Planet and It Takes a Nation of Millions and Paul's high. Boutique. Paul's yeah. Boutique is what jumped into my head. Like something like that just can't yeah. be made again. Exactly. Like those are right now, those records are impossible to make now because of sample clearance, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. That's really sad to me because another example is like um, the Grey album, you know, like. Oh, that was great. That's just an incredible that record that. He had to give a Danger Mouse had to give away because it was just he couldn't get the rights to it. You know, you can't follow the Beatles, man. Well, I mean, the Beatles <laughs> should let him because he made a completely different record that only references the White Album, but it's not taking away from the White Album in any way whatsoever. I'm hip. I'm hip. And of course, tons of people ruined it by making crappy songs and sampling. You know, um, so that's always kind of bothered me. And yeah. this was kind of a way to combat that a little bit and try try to make something, you know, without running afoul of the law. And then the other contradictory thing is like, I, starting with the ace track, I still kind of want to make Heavy Rhyme Experience Volume 2, which is always <laughs> on about it. Anyone doesn't know this record, this, this record kind of gets slept on now. The brand new Heavies made this record in 19, I think 91 or 92. And they got like, the far side and they got master ace and grand poobah and a whole bunch of guys like that and you know brand new heavies they were a live backing band and they just performed those songs live with with those mcs rapping over it uh -huh. and it was great and i always thought the title was a tease because they never made volume two <laughs> <laughs> and you know, this is kind of like another way. This is like kind of my heavy rhyme experience volume two. And I know we only made one track so far, but um, I guess I got to call Grand Poobah. Yeah, something. I was going to say. Just... <laughs> um, yeah. But so that was the other thing is like make a, a compilation record with different MC on every song with the yeah. same band. But also, I guess, kind of combine the sampling element into it as well. Okay. Also use like the best musicians in the world. to play on. And just keep. <laughs> yeah, I, that never hurts an album. Never. Yeah, um, ringers, so that kind of helps me jump into this which is my last question you guys spent two years which i imagine pandemic had something to do with that but um you know you really had some time to look at this yeah. what has this kind of springboarded that we're going to be seeing up in the future now well um we're talking about the next one yeah, we are talking about the next one. We, you know, we're, we're same kind of style, bring in the musicians, give them some stuff to work on, record it and then break it all down. Yeah, we're tight lipped yeah. about who it's going to be. But we got some like, 
we got some, some great good ideas. ideas. We got some great ideas. Yeah, I mean, this is a formula that we could just repeat over and over and over again and never have the same results, even with the same yeah. band, even if we brought the same exact band back in. It's I true. will say before before that one drops, there is another album that will probably be dropping sometime in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, with a great, it's featuring uh, uh, Falu, who is a like a great breakout uh, Indian classical singer. So it's going to be kind of like um, completely different. Com- yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Completely different. It's more like um, Blade Runner in Mumbai. Oh, wow. <laughs> With a lot of like uh, 80s synths and, and stuff like that. Um, You're Mr. Dystopia, bro. Yeah, man. <laughs> Look around, you, son. You got to have an elevator pitch. <laughs> Blade Runner in Mumbai. I can't even. I was in Mumbai within the last couple of years, and I can't imagine that going on there. Oh yeah. (laughs) I mean, well, you know, honestly, like, you know, we're getting that. We're going in that direction anyway. I mean, just it's the population, and and you know, people are going to be wearing masks soon because not because of pandemic, because of pollution. You know, I mean, um, and you know, if you listen to all like the little motorbikes and the and and all the, you know, the oil, you know, gas powered whatever it's just like this grind which kind of makes me think of like you know my favorite fucking synth which is the juno 60 so um there you go you know and but once that's done because honestly that album was supposed to be i had a choice of what to do uh during the pandemic it was either that album or this thing and i mean still both good this mf is like relentless yeah (laughs) so like well, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually not giving up on this session. I got more, more tracks that, you know, yeah. anyone fine. hears them, get in touch with me, might true, might put you on a record if you, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. you got the stuff. Send some bars. I love it. Send some stuff over. Why not? Yeah. Um, we'll get some contact info for you guys in the show notes, but I just, I really appreciate you guys taking some time with me this morning. I'm so happy that I found this music because it's, it's, it's just made for, a time when I think it's just made for this time. I, I think that the the way that it all worked out, the fact that I've talked to a few people who had recorded before March of 2020 and then didn't release it until around this time. And mm. it's, I think it's a really interesting thing to look back at this and be like, what is the music that kind of came out? Yeah. And, um, and thank you guys for doing that. And thanks for spending some time with me. Thank you, oh, Corey. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Huge thank you to Ben and Eamon and really everyone involved in the Analog Player Society project. Cannot wait to see what they keep coming out with. Such a cool idea. I'm so excited about that. As always, guys, for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com and have yourself a lovely, lovely day. Thank you. Get your song back. Get your song facts right here.